Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with principal dancer Jennifer Stahl. This episode was recorded on Friday, February 15th, 2019, before a performance of Program 2, Kaleidoscope, featuring work by George Balanchine, Benjamin Millipier, and Justin Peck. Hope you enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this evening's Meet the Artist interview and to this evening's performance of the Kaleidoscope program. have to see past the lights and see if the doors are closed. And as always, you know, you can move down a little closer to the front if you want to because you'll have plenty of time to take assigned seats after we've finished. So again, welcome. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet, and I'm just delighted to be in conversation with principal dancer Jennifer Stahl. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Um, it's always a treat when um, one of the dancers who's taking such prominent parts is actually available, and we get to have these conversations. Uh, this evening's program is um, called Kaleidoscope, I think, because it gives you three different views of our art form. And it's really paired with the other program. Program, what is this? This is two. So, yeah, the other one, the um, in space and time one, um, <clears throat> because they're overlapping this two week period. And um, you appear in prominent roles in both of them. And a lot of, the, of what I observed about the pieces you're in, there's some threads of similarity, so it's gonna be fun to dive into that. Meanwhile, let's back up a little bit. Um, as I said, you've been a principal dancer now. Is this your second full season as a principal, I think? Yes. That's how it counts, right. And um, you're one of the special ones who actually came up. Uh, you attended our school. Yes, I was in our school for a year. And then uh, were, was the training program available at that time? That was the first year of the training program, okay. but I came from a competition scholarship, so I uh, went straight into the school and uh, yeah, I wasn't a trainee, unfortunately, but well, it but worked then, out. Okay. <laughs> and then you moved into an apprenticeship the, the traditional pathway, I guess, and then the core, and then a soloist, and then a principal, and I just think that's really cool. Um, I, rem I remember, um, especially when you were made a soloist, and that was maybe a foreshadowing of the, the career that you have had. Uh, do you remember that moment, that yes. part? <laughs> Share with us. Yes, very much. Um, I was very lucky to dance Yuri Pasakov's The Rite of Spring uh, as the chosen one for the premiere, and uh, it was the 100th anniversary of The Rite of Spring, so um, it was a very exciting premiere. And that night I was promoted to soloist, and yeah, it was a very dramatic and contemporary work to get to be a part of. And yes, I seem to, you, there's a theme in your, your throwing yourself around the stage with great passion seems to be the theme. 
as you will see in tonight's works. Um, that was a world premiere by our resident choreographer, but that makes us think, inevitably, of last season's Unbound Festival of New Works, which um, I think we'll feel the effects of that for years to come. But um, can you just reflect a little bit on how it impacted the dancers in general, and you in particular, um, just being part of all those new works? Well, it's really amazing and incredible opportunity to work so closely with choreographers and to have that input into a ballet and what's actually then translated onto the stage and uh, to go through the whole process from the very beginning, first day, first initial thoughts and feelings and ideas coming straight from the source of the choreographer. And then, uh, yeah, if you're fortunate enough to really be a part of the creation, a lot of times it's tailored towards what you, maybe your greater strengths or maybe your interpretation really comes across and yeah, and I think just to have that knowledge going into a performance uh, from being there from day one is really beneficial and yeah, can be very effective in your performance. Just for context, which of the works were you, and I think most of the audience remembers that the, the company was divided into groups, and each of the three groups worked with a set of choreographers, so it was sort of like the teams. <laughs> so the team you were on, which works were you in? I was in Trey McIntyre's piece, uh, Christopher Wielden's, and Dwight Roden's, and Stanton Welch. So, yeah, uh, uh, I was not in that group, actually. So this was the first year that I was added to Snowblind. Um, so I didn't experience that uh, creative process. Yeah, so uh, that I got a lot of insight and information from the dancers that were part of the process, um, and Sarah Van Patten was extremely helpful in sharing just all the information and dialogue and, uh, yeah, the process. So, but I, yeah, I was not in the room for that ballet, actually. That puts a whole twist on it, doesn't it? <laughs> well, before we um, say a little bit more, I do want to say more about Snowblind. Um, the roles that um, you're talking about, how it's fun to be in a premiere when you get to put your stamp on it, you also find yourself performing lots and lots of the roles that are just in the repertoire. Um, we, our, our repertoire is the classics and the neoclassics and the contemporaries, and I think you pretty much cross over them all, but... Um, taking a different way of dividing them is the um, plotless and abstract works and the storytelling works, where you get to um, be a character. And I know that um, when we had a conversation two or three years ago, you were saying you were looking forward to doing more characters. You're doing lots of characters. How do you like that, and what does it do for you? I am loving the character roles and the more opportunities to act and maybe bring different characters to life and um, 
yeah, telling stories through these valleys has been really fun just to try to tap into emotions or different ways that I can physically convey what that role is maybe going through or what's just trying to be said through the movements. And I mean, that's even with the new works or working with choreographers, uh, just figuring out how to convey what they want, um, not necessarily putting your own stamp on it all the time, but just trying to get across what they want to be brought across through maybe a movement or through a section or through a certain piece of the music or or just through the ballet as a whole or role as a whole. So that's a fun challenge uh, just generally that I really enjoy of like how can I bring, what's the purpose of this role or the step or mm-hmm. uh, and how to really bring that across. And I imagine that's um, got its own challenges in the really classic works, like um, a work that you've done in the past and we probably can look forward to is The, the Lilac Fairy, mm-hmm. super classical. Um, but you're still a character. Yes, very much so. And um, as much as we, I think a lot of audience members may know the very uh, traditional and famous steps that are thought of as the lilac fairy or there's the very technical aspect of it. But, uh, yeah, the overall feeling, at least, that I try to just give to each movement and just kind of hold throughout is just the generosity and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of caring and loving fairy godmother (laughs) just throughout so uh, yeah but that can also be kind of a different way to just approach an arabesque in a different way just a little more just generosity maybe and (laughs) when you see her think generous arabesque I will Um, contrast that with another role in the same ballet that you get to do I think this is so fabulous yeah, so I also uh, perform Carabas, which is just the other side of the coin, and uh, which is really fun because I just flip back and forth <laughs> each night, um, the evil versus good and uh, the dueling characters. But, yeah, and that's... Uh, yeah, just trying to tap into that... Uh, just like selfish character and uh, just pure evil and, yeah, just vindictive character, I guess. Well, I think there's a maybe a natural segue here because I know a lot of the... You've talked about a generous arabesque and then Carabas has a lot of movement that is very explicitly angular. and So here you are cast in Snowblind, which, um, I'm sorry, you're not going to see it tonight, but you'll have to come and see program three? Three. Three, which repeats several times before the end of next week. Um, And you have taken this year the role of Xena, which is amazing, and that work is so dramatic. And Kathy Marston, the choreographer... um, remarkably manages to tell the story with just movement and gesture, and it's a very explicit story. So 
you started to talk about learning the role and being coached by Sarah. So say a little bit more about it and then and how you fit into being that character. Yeah, so without being in the room for the actual process, what I've gathered is uh, there was a lot of uh, improvisational exercises and uh, being directed with dialogue and certain keywords and each character was given a list of either action words or characteristics um, and then movement was improv based on those keywords um, and then fit together to tell the story, uh, which is extremely helpful coming in after the fact to then have a dialogue and really understanding how what you're doing is either sewing or um, pushing down the feelings or just like the anger and rage is just building up slowly and it, so each movement really uh, it, it helps to come in it's not just oh your handshake and you have and it's it's more rich uh, movement and choreography to understand um, so yeah it's especially coming from a novel where it's portrayed so much with language but then to have no words uh, it's helpful for us to have uh, the dialogue internally. I want to contrast, we can come back to Zena if, if we need to, but um, in this evening's program, you'll see the work Appassionata, which is, um, I guess technically, we would call it a neoclassical or non-narrative. <clears throat> it does seem to have a lot of emotion going on. Um, why don't you describe the work just a little bit so that they have an idea of what they're going to see, but then talk about what um, the choreographer might have been trying to say, convey, what do you think? Uh, well, the piece starts a little more tame and sophisticated, kind of uh, like an earlier portion of the evening and hair is in tidy and in buns and we have point shoes on and as the piece progresses uh, the women take their point shoes off and our hair comes down and it just gets uh, progressively more wild and intimate and uh, just free uh, but it's an extremely musical and musically driven piece from the beginning uh, it just yeah, the dynamic just slowly evolves as the piece goes on. And uh, do you think? And, do you have a story? Do you have a, a person that you have tapped into to to portray, even though that's not listed in the program? Not as no, not a specific person. But I think it's very. It's just based on however you may interpret it, or however maybe personally how I interpret the movement to just different relationships and the connection between all the different dancers on stage. It's very human. It's definitely a very human aspect to the ballet. And uh, Benjamin was 
Uh, he really emphasized like looking at each other and having that human connection and uh, with everyone on stage, not just your partner. Um, and yeah, just different maybe elements of different relationships. Um, and yeah, the interactions that happen. And he, when he came for the opening night, he emphasized or asked us to be very poetic with the movements and and which can seem very general but it also is it was it gave us freedom as well as but just to it's it's very intricate and detailed movements um but to have that sort of care with each movement to be yeah, very human and meaningful, even though there's so many movements within the ballet, but just that it can all mean something, and it's not just different hands connecting or different body parts connecting or moving around just because it does get very wild and, uh, yeah, just complicated, but that it's it remains poetic throughout, and, and that can mean different things to different people and come across differently to the audience, so... Um, just a few details about it for context. Uh, it's not a premiere. Um, it was created a couple of years ago for Paris Opera Ballet, I believe, and uh, by Benjamin Milpier. And then um, it was staged by some of his assistants, but then he actually did come and, and coach it toward the yes. end. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And his, um, it's a contemporary piece, so we're back in that contemporary ballet category. But... Um, do you feel as though he, you know, you've been in lots of contemporary ballets in the last year or so. Um, how does his voice compare to some of the others that you've been in, the um, um, Trey McIntyre or Christopher Wilden? Or, you know, where does Benjamin Milpier fit in there? Let's oh, um, see. Uh, well, it still feels very neoclassical, um, and yeah, I guess I would just say it's it's very human. Um, not that the other choreographers are not, um, but at least the pieces that I've experienced of Benjamin Milpies, uh like Quartet for Two last season, um, what I've experienced is that human connection. Uh, throughout and just the importance of that and um, and it is very detailed and exact and but at the same time I felt very encouraged to be free and enjoy it and genuine with the movements and there's a lot of tricky partnering yes yes but then there's (laughs) a lot of tricky partnering in Wielden and a lot of tricky partnering in McIntyre so yeah yeah and not to say that it's necessarily contrasting the yeah, others, yeah, but yeah. more specifically to a passion of mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the music is the Beethoven Piano Concerto, uh, uh, Piano Sonata, the Appassionata, which is, um, it must be kind of interesting to be performing to a piece of music that is so incredibly well-known and is a concert piece, and suddenly it has to be joined with the dance. Did you find that helpful or challenging uh, or cool? <laughs> just amazing because it is such a rich and powerful 
piece of music. So, and the ballet, I mean, this, it really does drive all the steps and, uh, and the couples are coming in and out and, yeah, it just seems to fit the music so well that it's just, it feels good to dance to this music with this choreography. So it, it, it's a very fulfilling ballet to perform. You mentioned, um, and one more thing before we open up to questions, um, you've used the word freeing and human several times, and um, we were having a conversation earlier about um, the challenge of costuming and hair, <laughs> and you mentioned that as you get less and less formal, you take off your shoes and you let your hair down. Um, how does that affect your actual movement, your actual performance? And I'm thinking of other works in history and the repertoire where that's the case. Um, is it more constricting when you have your hair in a bun with lots of hairspray? Uh, I wouldn't say it's more constricting, but I, <laughs> it does, once our hair, once our hair is down, uh, it does sort of lend to the movement just, and the way the choreography evolves, it, it very much makes sense that our hair is down and uh, there's a lot of hair kind of flipping all around and, um, but also just to get it out of your face or get it out of the, maybe out of your partner's way or, but it, yeah, it fits very well and uh, it just, it feels right at that point and also you're just so exhausted at that point and everything just starts getting a little more undone um, while still being very yeah. intricate and <laughs> uh, complicated. But, yeah, it can be a little tricky and trying to mask, like, the brush off your face or getting it out of your hair without it being an extra addition to the choreography yeah. or, <laughs> um, or just hoping that the other night I ended up with a huge chunk in my mouth and... <laughs> Um, so it's a challenge, but... But I like the term you used, human, and so it contributes to that element of the ballet. Yeah, it feels very natural whenever we get to have our hair down on stage. Um, we do have a little while for some questions, and I know Jennifer would love to know what you want to know. Let's start right here, and be sure you speak up. Yeah. The question is... You've talked about being free, and yet you have steps and you have music that's very specific. What makes it free for you? Uh, well, it definitely doesn't feel free right away. <laughs> and so uh, rehearsals and building up to that point where you can let go on stage finally and really go with it. And hopefully the, by that point, the music is ingrained in your body and just the muscle memory is there and kind of, yeah, being able to get to that point of letting go. Um, and yeah, just thinking less and less, uh, once you're on stage is my ideal state when I'm on stage. Uh, cause we, we do think so much in rehearsal and outside of rehearsal and visualizing the ballet and learning the steps and there's so much information but by the time the performance comes it's yeah ideally you can kind of flow with all that foundation under you give yourself over to it yeah <laughs> does someone over here have a question oh back here 
Oh, nice question. Which roles do you find most challenging and which do you find most fun? Hmm. In my career, uh, some that stick out to me in my mind, like Mirta in Giselle was a very challenging role. Uh, it's just such a powerful character and so much depth to her character, as well as it's physically so challenging. Uh, so to maintain that strength of character um, while executing uh, the actual dancing of it. And yeah, just, and you're on stage for so long by yourself before anyone else comes out in second act, uh, just doing this really meaty introductory or uh, introduction solo, uh, just opening up the scene. Uh, it's that was very challenging, but also very rewarding uh, to do and very fun. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say that's fun, fun, but it's it's fun after the fact. I, I felt very accomplished. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, Rite of Spring was a very challenging role. Um, and that I would say was more towards the fun, fun. Uh, but yeah, and some of the, I think, with just fun roles, Mercedes recently was a really just fun role in Don Quixote. Uh, just there's so much flair and uh, charisma and just different types of dancing, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that role recently. Lots of back bends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of back bends. Hopefully you were taking care of your back. Yes, I was. Um, yeah. It's tough to think through now, but... <laughs> that's, a, that's a good good answer. Yeah, Merita is a great but... one for challenging. Yes. Okay, uh, another question over here, maybe? I think what I heard was, tell us about yourself. Maybe what you do when you're not dancing. Um, I think just how I got into dancing. Oh, okay. Uh, Good. I grew up dancing a lot in my living room and with my sister and uh, doing, like, tumbling, ballet, and gymnastics at the YMCA, really little, and kind of always doing some improv dancing in our living room. Um, And then I started figure skating uh, when I was, I think, seven. And eventually, my coaches wanted me to take ballet, and that was most of the Mm -hmm. figure skaters who were taking ballet classes uh, for the artistic side of our competition routines. And so I started taking a ballet class that was specifically for ice skaters at the time, but then... Yeah, and I just started taking more and more ballet classes and kind of lessened my time ice skating. And I didn't really mean to do that, but I just really enjoyed being in the ballet studio, I guess, more than on the ice. And eventually it was all ballet. (laughs) Aren't we glad? Okay, this one right here. And what age was that that you started dancing? Uh, Well, when I started ballet when I was figure skating I was eight I think I was eight and a half or so yeah but I did some 
ballet, like pre-ballet when I was four. It was like ballet and gymnastics combined. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Eight, eight is a good age. Yeah. We like eight, yeah. Um, over here, yeah. We're really close to running out of time, so a kind of quick description of your day as a ballet dancer, and we'll use that as our wrap-up. Sure. Uh, well, when we're performing... Uh, I'll wake up and have some breakfast, and then every morning we have a technique warm-up class with the whole company, uh, about an hour and 15 minutes. And from there, uh, our day can be anywhere from three to six hours of rehearsals. Um, Or if we're performing at night, we'll typically only have two or three hours of rehearsals during the afternoon. And then... Usually I love to get a power nap in between the rehearsals and then the performance, um, even if it's just 15, 20 minutes. Um, and if the performance starts at 8 o'clock, typically I'll want to be in my dressing room around 6, um, and then just slowly putting hair and makeup on and uh, leaving enough time to rewarm up and just make sure my body's ready to go for the performance and just... I like to give myself enough time so I don't feel frantic or rushed and, um, yeah, and then eventually perform and hopefully it goes well. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then just going and home and trying to wind down and get a good night's sleep for the next day. <laughs> and that's pretty intense during the season, I know. It's just repeat, repeat, repeat. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. the season is very intense. During the off-season, we uh, will end earlier, so it's just more 10 to 6.30, but all rehearsals, so... Well, we have run out of our time. For those of you who came in after we started, I've been in conversation with Jennifer Stahl, company principal dancer, who can be seen over the next week and a half in um, program two in Appassionata, and in program three in um, Snowblind, alternating with others, but but several more times over the next couple weeks, which I hope you'll catch. Enjoy this evening's performance, and thank you all very much. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.